0: creative journey. It's easy to get lost, but don't worry, you'll lift off. Sometimes you just need a creative pep talk. You're listening to creative pep talk a weekly podcast companion for your creative journey. I'm your host Danny J pizza I'm an illustrator for clients like Xbox Lego and the New York Times and I make this show because as someone who is Neurodivergent, I know that for some of us a thriving creative practice carving out your own Path as a creator isn't just a nice to have but it is a must for survival So you might have a sense that in order to have the thriving creative practice that you want, that means connecting with new people. It means having more followers than you have and having true fans of your work that want to support and connect with your creative work on a deep level. But most of us find ourselves in places where no matter what we're doing, it just feels impossible to get any new followers or fans of the work that we do and you're doing every single thing that you can imagine everything that you see the people that have a huge adoring fan base do and it's just not working for you maybe you're even following all the instagram real trends and you're signed up to the alerts and you're following every latest thing that you can and it's just not working well, what if the problem is that you're following every latest trend like what if the problem is no one wants to follow someone who's just following everybody else in this episode i want to talk about how to get to that place where you have the relationship to a small but die hard group of super fans of your work We're going to dive deep into that in just a second, but stick around to the end of the episode for an exercise called Flipping the Pyramid that will help you diagnose which part of your creative journey are you stuck in and what's keeping you from gaining traction with new fans. All right, let's go. So we got our first Factor Meals, and I am pumped to tell you about them. First off, we absolutely loved them. Delicious chef's kiss for the chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals that come straight to your door. I can definitely see how, when deadlines are out of control or you're in a super busy season, how Factor Meals can lighten your load while still giving you options like veggie, vegan, and even low-calorie. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can even pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Head to factormeals.com slash talk 50 and use code talk 50 to get 50% off. That's code talk 50 at factormeals.com slash talk 50 to get 50% off. Step one to building the fan base that you're after. The fan base of your dreams is to find your inner Mr. Bimbo. Now, I'm not using the term Bimbo in the derogatory sense. It's just the name of this character that I didn't invent. So get off my back, but that's his name. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But when you think about... The aspirational creative practices, you know, the heroes that you have that that you long to have a creative practice like theirs, who are the people that come to mind? For me, probably the first person I think of is Jim Henson, the creator of The Muppets. I have just been a huge fan of The Muppets since I was a kid, and he has been a lifelong inspiration to my work. Now, I have three children, and... I when I first had my first kid I tried to introduce Fraggle Rock to her which is also a creation of Jim Henson's and she just she liked it but she didn't love it and I found that to be very unsatisfying <laughs> you know kind of heartbreaking to be like eh, she shouldn't love it so I just quit trying to push my interests on my kids and I think that's probably a healthy <laughs> healthy move to lean into But without any pushing from me, my youngest kid has now just recently caught the Muppet fever. Like she is obsessed. She's going all in. She wants to be a Muppet for Halloween. She wants her next birthday next year to be Muppets. And we'll see how long that lasts. But she is obsessed. And the thing that converted her to being a crazy Muppet fan is not something I would have expected. It was actually Muppet Treasure Island. While even though this is one of the films that was created after Jim Henson passed away, uh, it was created by his son, Brian Henson, I still consider that one and Christmas Carol, the uh, Muppet Christmas Carol that Brian Henson also made to be in the classic canon of phenomenal Muppet films. It's, of course, a retelling of the classic book, Treasure Island, which I've never read. So all of my reference points come from the classic film, Muppet Treasure Island. And if you haven't seen it, here's the basic story. Jim Hawkins, a.k.a. Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 as Billy Bones calls him um, on his deathbed. Jim Hawkins is an orphan boy who comes into possession of a treasure map and wants to find the buried treasure because he needs an adventure to help him find himself. It's kind of like a coming-of-age kind of story where this person needs to grow up and find out who he is as Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim and he brings it to the son of a shipbuilder who ends up being a kind of crackpot who listens to the advice of a man called Mr. Bimbo who lives in his pointer finger and that man also happens to not be a man it's actually a bear it's Fozzie the bear <laughs> Fozzie the bear and he's got, he got he thinks there's a guy living in his pointer finger called Mr. Bimbo who he takes all of his um, advice and instruction from And uh, at the direction of Mr. Bimbo, Fozzie gathers a crew and secures a ship for Jim and his friends to do this crazy treasure expedition. But oh no, turns out the man living in the bear's finger isn't the best at hiring the crew because he accidentally hires half half of his crew is actually undercover secret pirates in disguise and the cook that he hires is actually the notorious pirate long john silver played by none other than the legendary tim curry who's i mean in my opinion this is the performance of his lifetime um, and that's <laughs> that's saying stuff Say, saying a lot it might be kind of offensive to the other classic roles but i mean Man, what a—I what mean, that—he's such an incredible villain. He is—he's uh, got humanity and likability, and yet he's just evil, and it, it really hurts <laughs> um, the moves that he makes. It, it's a—it's a classic villain, and Long John cunningly befriends or pretends to befriend the orphan jim hawkins by encouraging him and and kind of being a father figure and telling him to forget about the compass that he inherited from his father and and instead just sail by the stars and long john actually steals the map and jim's compass and ultimately the treasure all right so why are we going so lowbrow here like that was just my retelling of the muppets retelling of a classic work of fiction Why, why is that what you're listening to i'll tell you why because it is a prime example of what We all long for we all long to have people encounter our work and become like my youngest daughter became a super fan from one interaction with this body of work and now she cannot get enough. She's all in. She will probably be if she's anything like me, a Muppet fan, a Muppet super fan for the rest of her life. And I think we all long for that. Like, I think that's the call to creative adventure, to make the kind of work that connects you with people on that level. And yet, I think it's also a very natural part of that journey to have a sort of refusal of the call at the initial onset of your own creative path. I think it's normal and it's part of the process to start your journey, not as a Jim Hawkins, but rather as a Long John Silver. I think most creators start their journey refusing the call to find their own path, to listen to their own inner compass, and instead... Follow the shiny things, go after somebody else's treasure, jump aboard a creative superstars voyage and follow them instead of following their own inner voice. And if you're ever going to find your own way and become more than just a follower, you're going to have to quit following the next shiny thing and sailing by those creative stars maps And learn to listen to your own inner compass and tap into and follow your inner voice that points the way, just like Fozzie's finger points the way, just like finding your own inner Mr. Bimbo. I've never read the real Treasure Island, but I'm certain that it cannot have anything as brilliant as hiding the guide character. You know, most stories have the guide, the Gandalf, the Yoda, the, you know, Moana's grandma. They have a character that is showing them the way. And I think in this movie, the guide, you might think it'd be Kermit right like he makes more sense uh in this film but i really think it's fozzy he's the one who teaches jim to listen to his inner voice no matter how nonsensical it may seem no matter how much trouble it might get you into it will bring you to the life-changing adventure that you need even if it means that this next adventure isn't going to get you the treasure that you want. And from the outside, hiring a crew of pirates and forsaking the treasure you're after seems kind of insane, and you probably wouldn't say yes to it at the start, but what if it's exactly the kind of project that you need to get in touch with who you are as a creator before you ever concern yourself with connecting with anybody else? Before you connect with anybody else, you have to connect with yourself. Why does anyone else want to listen to you and and connect with your work and subscribe to your ideas if you don't subscribe to your ideas first? And so as creators, it's easy to get too focused on the treasure, too focused on that outcome and miss out on the creative adventure and the journey that you actually need first. So the first thing you need to do is quit following the creative stars and sailing by their maps and start listening to that inner voice, your own personal taste, your own compass that you've inherited as your birthright, your own gut feeling and voice and tap into that thing and find your own inner Mr. Bimbo that'll point the way. And then step two is all about forgetting about the audience completely, at least for a period of time. Let's talk about that. Step two to finding your audience is forgetting about them completely, at least for a period of time, the project and the moment that my creative path really turned around for the better was when I started this project. I mentioned on the show a million times. It's a, it was a daily drawing project where I did a new character every weekday for a year. Now, I have to say that this idea sounds exactly like the kind of thing an imaginary man living in a puppet bear's finger might advise you to do when you are poor and struggling and tired and behind on bills. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not the most logical thing. The things that I had tried up to this point were all things that were way better ideas for gaining some treasure for actually getting a few fans that might subscribe to my work some clients some customers some people that would actually buy something because there would actually be a product like I had tried so many other things but this idea was not one that made sense this idea was something that I I knew wasn't likely to get me anything. You know, externally. I did this project to find something internally. I felt the need. I felt up to that time that I had consistently sort of refused the call to finding myself creatively and instead tried to just skip to Having a thriving creative practice and connection with an audience that I could build a practice on. But no matter what I tried, I just couldn't get that treasure. And so with all of the other options out of the way, I decided to finally listen to that inner voice and connect with what am I interested in? What is psychically charged for me? And how can I spend time digging into this work even if I'm not sure it's going to pay off even if I can't see how it's going to matter in the future and that project ended up becoming not anything on its own financially it didn't amass some huge audience we did a Kickstarter at the end to screen print all of those characters we barely got funded it was a huge, ordeal trying to get that done and get that out to the backers it was just a kind of a nightmare and shout out to my buddy matt rust who ran a print shop called goodnight sweet prince who helped me get to that finish line it was just crazy and he put in crazy time printing on that project and um yeah it was it wasn't some huge win in terms of audience but it was the seed to everything that came after that because it helped me get in touch with who I was as a creator before I concerned myself with who anyone else was that would be interested in the creative stuff that I was making. That project not only defined my style, but it also led to a... At the end of digging into myself with that project, it evolved into something different called Invisible Things, which I talk about quite a bit because it's probably the most central project in my creative practice. And if you don't know, Invisible Things is this cast of characters that personify different abstract invisible forces and phenomena Monomena. and feelings and other sensory experiences they all personify these different invisible things that we have in the world and i didn't even know this but i read that 95% of our universe is invisible That's how much mystery is out there. That's how worthy of wonder our world really is. And not only did it lead to this invisible things concept, but it led to something that I have yet to announce on on this podcast. The first book that I ever co-authored and illustrated The Invisible Things picture book that comes out July 18th, 2023. I'm so proud of this book. I've never been more proud of something that I've made. And I co-created this book with my wife, Sophie Miller. We have been dreaming up this concept in these characters and working on this narrative and this book for a long, long time. And it's finally out there and a ton of exciting things have already happened with the launch. You can go check out that book at invisiblethings.co. If you are a fan of my work or a fan of this podcast, I think it's a great example of the kind of work that we talk about on this show. It is a picture book but I made it for kids as well as my taste as an adult. And so uh, whether you have kids or not, I think you will like it. It's kind of a trippy concept. And um, I think it also has a lot of potential for social and emotional learning. Go check it out, invisiblethings.co. You can pre-order there. And if you do that and submit a receipt through that page to the publisher, if you're in the US, you can also get a free updated version of the poster. And so- I highlight that because that daily drawing project that didn't directly lead to any real treasure is a direct predecessor to the first picture book that I've ever authored and illustrated. And that has been my big dream for almost my entire creative journey. And it never would have happened if I hadn't listened to that man in my finger (laughs) pointing the way. Um, If I didn't connect with that seemingly nonsensical inner voice that was telling me to connect with myself and invest in myself and believe in myself creatively before anybody else really was. And I want to encourage you to... Forget about the treasure, forget about the audience, forget about the material things that might come from work that you make that connects with other people on a deep level and instead start concerning yourself with connecting with yourself on a deep level. You know, that project helped me find myself as a creator. It it connected me to the scene of picture books and ultimately became Invisible Things, which online has already reached more people than anything that I've ever done. And we posted the new poster and it just took a life of its own just this past couple weeks and reached 10 times the amount of followers that I have. And if I could go back to myself, I would be the inner Mr. Bimbo cheering on Andy at that time to do the nonsensical thing to forget about connecting with the audience and start connecting with himself. And I also see this same pattern in almost every creator that I look up to. I was just listening to an interview with Ice Cube on Mark Maron's podcast, WTF. I can't believe today was a good day. And uh, he talks about that same thing. He talks about how rapping initially was just him connecting to himself. The first rap he ever wrote. He remembers the first line and it was about how he's not this hero. He's not that hero rapper he's ice cube and it was about saying this is me and he was doing a rap battle with a friend and his friends all of his friends raps were just kind of rips on ripoffs of other people's it was him pirating other people's stuff and jumping aboard their voyage and going after their treasure and his first breakthrough rap was him connecting to himself and then connecting to his scene on the West coast. And then finally connecting to that audience. And in that interview, he says something really interesting that we're going to dive into in a later episode in the series that we're just going to start with this one. He talks about there comes a time when there is a shift that needs to happen where you are doing it for the audience. You're doing this to be in community with those people. And I think he's really onto something here that a lot of artists don't really respect or understand or ever get to, but I don't think he would have been the rapper in NWA and wrote the movie Friday and did all the crazy things that this guy's done. He just started his own sport for goodness sakes, uh, which um, maybe we'll talk about later, but he wouldn't do all of those things. None of that would have been possible if he hadn't first connected to himself. So the first thing you got to do is find that inner voice and impulse of what you're interested in and what you're about. Second thing you got to do is forsake all the other voices. And the third thing you got to do is you've got to flip the script upside down, flip the map upside down and go completely backwards from the rest of the world. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a second. Step three to becoming the kind of artist that makes work that cultivates a passionate fan base is to embrace how the creative journey is the opposite of regular life. Of, you know, in order for it to be creative, it has to be completely different than your average journey. Now, when I first encountered Maslow's hierarchy of needs in the psychology class that I took in high school, I think I instantly felt like I think this is upside down. For a long time, I assumed that it was because I'm ADHD. And I felt like in order for me to thrive as a person, in order for me to survive, I was going to have to approach life the exact opposite as Maslow was saying. Now, there's multiple layers that I'm not going to mention here, but if you just go from the bottom to the top of how Maslow imagined that humans needed to progress in life he would say you need to take care of your basic needs first of course that makes tons of sense then you kind of move through social needs and then all the way up to self-actualization and i have always felt like i think it's my adhd that means I feel like I had to start at the self. I had to start at like meaning and work through community and then ultimately to taking care of your basic business items, the tasks of everyday life. I couldn't jump to the tasks if I couldn't find the meaning in the social and the emotional and the personal. And so I always felt like it was kind of upside down. And so I also started to imagine that this applies to the creator. And I went out after I was planning to make this episode and did a little research to see if, like, I can't be the first person that thought of this. And I think if you're on to something, if there's some real truth to what you are getting at in your work— I think it's a good sign to see that other people have touched on the things that you're exploring. It tells you that, yeah, there's something here. And I found a couple different things. I saw this research paper. I think it was in 2009. Corin Sakroji did this, paper titled Spiritual Approach to Stress Stress Management at the Office and it was an upside down approach to Maslow's hierarchy of needs then I found another article I believe this was 2012 by a musician named Gregory Simpson um his site is called ultrasomething.com and he also had the same conclusion that in order for a creator to successfully reach their potential they're going to have to approach this pyramid upside down and I think this gets at why when we live in the country we live in when we live in the time that we live in why it makes total sense that we would try to launch on silver our way yo ho ho straight to creative success straight to the treasure baby straight to meeting the physical needs first through our creativity if that is the career that we chose It makes tons of sense. It's been presented to us as step one from the get-go. And so for me, the first step to having the kind of creative practice that I think we're all after is to reverse that and realize that's actually step three and go the other way. And so first, start with getting in touch with yourself, self-actualization knowing who you are as a person, that's the foundation of the creative pyramid. Second is then the social, the the scene. How does this fit? What I find when I excavate myself as a creator, the things I find in there, where are people like that congregating right now, doing new stuff? Because the things you find in there are not going to be universal. They're not going to be historic. They're going to be of this moment. And it's important to connect to the scene where things are happening within that at that point and then and i think only then it's time to start thinking about the super fans it's time to start thinking about how you could turn this into something that connects with people on an emotional level to the degree in which they want to support you financially and so you have to flip the pyramid and start with the self move to the social move to the scene and then move to the superfans and in the material side of that practice. And I think the same went for Ice Cube. He started with just introducing himself, connecting to himself in his rap music. And then he connected to the West Coast scene and to N.W.A. and to whole new movement that was happening. And then and only then did he start cultivating superfans of his particular practice as a solo artist Wrapping is Ice Cube. Okay, so your call to adventure, your creative call to adventure today, the action that you can take right now with this information to take a step forward on your own creative journey is the flip the pyramid exercise now this episode is starting a new series i think it's going to be a four-part series that we're going to do and it's all about finding yourself creatively it's called the self-excavation series the creative self-excavation series And I want to explore the major pivot for me that led to the biggest breakthrough in my creative practice that led to the invisible things picture book that we are publishing in just a couple months, uh, because letting go of the career and diving into the creative and diving into myself and doing work that I knew was not going to have a direct payoff was the most important foundational thing that I could do in my practice. And it didn't matter that I'd already been several years into my practice when I did it, that I I felt like no matter what I did, I kept hitting a wall until I just, you know, forget about the sunk cost and all the other areas I'd went into and just stopped the presses and focused on connecting to that inner self. And it was a major pivot, and I want to go through all the pieces that I think really helped me connect to myself. But I also want to use some of the things I've learned that I put into practice, not from just when I looked inside, because, you know, when I looked inside, all I found was pizza. There's <laughs> there's greater minds out there. A lot of the stuff that we're going to explore is going to take pages from the books of Joseph Campbell and the Hero's Journey Carl Young and his process of individuation, Mr. Bimbo, of course, we're going to take some inspiration from him and then artists like ice cube and, you know, Tim Curry and Charlie Brown and all kinds of uh, other creative things. Um, But here's what we're going to do today. We're going to flip the pyramid to help you find your place, find where you're stuck in building that practice that you're after. Maybe with the regular version of the pyramid, you thought you're stuck in step one, the material wealth, like meeting your needs with your career as a creator by getting fans of the practice. That's essential to do that. But if you flipped that board game around and saw that that was actually the last step and that was step three, what step would you really be on? And so we're gonna just work through a little flow chart. And so the three stages are finding self, finding the scene, and then finding the super fans. And here's how we're going to work through it. All right, so Maslow's upside down flow chart is what we're working through. Number one, the first question is, have you ever found your sense of self, any sense of self? You know, it's not like I'm like, I've achieved Self-knowledge, like, no, we change all the time and uh, really it's just about starting to get a sense of it. Have you ever really had a sense of it in your creative work? If the answer is no, then you are stuck on step one and you need to do the self-excavation project and the things we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. And um, for some of you, these are gonna be reminders to get back in touch with yourself. And for some of you, it's gonna be the first time that you've ever had the courage to look in the mirror and reflect in that way and get personal in your creative work. And that's really exciting. Okay, so first question is, have you ever found any sense of yourself? If the is no, you're stuck on step one. If you say yes, the next question is, are you still that person? That sense of self that you had, was that something that happened 10, 15 years ago? Well, if that's true, then you might not be the same person that you were when you did that work. This process is a cyclical process. You know, we had Sophie, my wife on, who's a textile artist on episode 400, and she was talking about how she went to college for embroidery and and fine art textiles and when she got out of school, we decided to have kids. And then after the all the kids got into school, she thought, I- I'm going to go pick up my creative practice again. And she thought, like, I should be 10 years ahead of where I was. I should be able to just slot right back into my practice. But she realized that she's not the same person she was when she left that practice. And she actually had to start back at who am I and do that first Brung of the ladder and ice cube did the same. His first work was about building an identity for me. It was the same. And even recently I've found new levels of like, oh, I'm back in that place where I'm not the same person I was when I started this podcast, when I started the daily drawing project, when I started wanting to be an illustrator in the first place. And so there are some ways in which part of my journey, I'm back at step one. And so this is a cyclical process. You're going to have to do it over and over again. And so are you still the person that you knew when you had that sense of self? If you are the same person, you can move on to step two and defining your scene. But if you're not, you are still in step one and you need to do creative work. That's not self-expression, but self-excavation that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Okay, if you are the same person that you were when you when you found some of this sense of self, then you can move on to step two. You can go into finding your scene. That's what you need to do. You need to find who you are relating to and excited about right now. So the next question is, do you have a very clear sense of the scene that you're a part of in this moment? And I can't stress that enough. Probably after we do the self excavation series we we might even jump straight into the scene series uh and and we can get into that but i think it's incredibly important to mention that the scene has to be something that is happening in this moment and if you're not connected and i mean like on a personal level with someone else at least one other person that is part of that scene or trying to be part of that scene that is your objective in step two Okay, if you say, I I know who I am, I know my scene, you can move on to step three, and you can start strengthening your connection to super fans and start getting to a little bit of that treasure. And, uh, and you're ready for an adventure where there actually is treasure at the end of that voyage. But everybody else, what would it look like to say yes to that inner voice living in your pointer finger, pointing the way, to the adventure that will not give you what you want in terms of the treasure of connecting with your audience, but it will give you what you need, which is connecting to yourself. And that will form the base of your creative practice. It will form the base of your pyramid, that sense of self. Everything else is built on that. And if that's you, stay tuned for the coming weeks. We're going to do a whole series about the the creative self-excavation that's necessary to build that foundation. The next episode in the series is going to be all about the first part of that process where we're going to dig into the psychically charged images and stories that can give us a hint at who we are as creators. So stay tuned for that. This episode is brought to you by the invisible thing, gravity, gravity, keeping you grounded. That's what we're talking about. The foundation, getting grounded in yourself as a creator for the coming weeks. We are going to have a different invisible thing that we highlight at the end of every episode. Um, and this week it's gravity. If you don't know what invisible things are, You can go follow us on Instagram at ICInvisibleThings, or you can go to InvisibleThings.co and you can read more about the coming picture book. And in the next few weeks, while it's still on pre-order, if you buy it, then you can submit your receipt on that page to the publisher and you will get a free updated brand spanking new 16 by 20 poster with new characters and updated versions of the old characters go check it out before it's gone at invisible things.co i also want to thank everyone who has already shared the book and pre-ordered the books we've been keeping track of all of that it's been really really exciting if you have been looking for ways to support the show and support my creative practice this is the best way that you can do that i try really hard on this show to give way more than i get and not ask too much of the audience i try to keep the requests few and far between But every couple years, there's something that comes up where I could really use a ton of support. And if you want to be the virtual street team out there telling people about the book, calling to your library and requesting that they get it, calling your local bookstore and saying, hey, would you get copies of this thing in? It would mean the world to me. If you do that, send me an email and let me know at hi at andyjpizza.com. I would love to thank you. And if you could go pre-order the book for yourself for the kids in your life gift a couple whatever pre-orders are a game changer for whether a book makes the kind of initial impression that allows it to get seen by the different media outlets and and really take off if you miss that opportunity it can be make or break and so any help and assistance you can give on that front would mean the world to me. This project has been over a decade in the making. It's deeply personal and I am just so proud of the book that we made and I cannot wait for you to get your hands on it um, and get it out in the world. Um, It's just, I've never made anything that I am this excited about people seeing. So I hope you love it. thanks to the band Y and Yoni Wolf uh, for our soundtrack and theme music this week I couldn't even believe it that Yoni was involved in a project Yoni is probably my favorite musician he's just someone who has made music that has that's just so specific to my experience and my taste and uh, I fell in love with his music and his band's music when I was in college just became completely obsessed and then was lucky enough to get to work with him and, and license some music for the podcast and, and commission a jingle and all that. Um, It's been a dream come true But then I just saw this week That he is Involved in a project With my favorite comedian Of all time Which is James Acaster They just launched a project Called Temps T-E-M-P-S Go check it out I've been enjoying My first couple listens To uh, some of the songs Um, Yoni's on two of the songs Um, Very, very cool stuff I thought that was just um, A heck of a coincidence It was it made me feel like life's a simulation. How, how is this possible? Um, anyway, go check it out, Temps. And uh, thanks to Connor Jones of Pending Beautiful for editing the show and for sound design. Huge thanks to Ryan Appleton, Katie Chandler, and of course, Sophie Miller for content and podcast assistance of all sorts and kinds. And until we speak again, stay pepped up.